Let's uh, check our poll to see uh, which side you voted off the uh, Thanksgiving table. So, uh, Pastor Brian, uh, what was the majority opinion of uh, which side we should leave off? So we're going to be going without cranberry sauce. We're going to be going without cranberry sauce this Thanksgiving. So, And I know Brian said that you... Uh, uh, wanted to vote the vegetables off, but that wasn't even one of your choices. So after vegetables, you decided to vote uh, the cranberry sauce off. So it sounds like there's going to be significant uh, carb load naps uh, after the Thanksgiving meal this year. And my guess is we probably caused some pretty serious debate in homes. But truth be known, uh, most of us could probably stand to have one of those sides uh, off the Thanksgiving table, but most of us will not have to which reminds us that um, as we enter into this season of Thanksgiving, that we should be ever mindful of those who don't have enough to eat, that we should be ever mindful of those who are in need. And so I just ask you as we uh, continue to uh, engage this week of Thanksgiving, uh, that we also pray for those in need. And I'm so glad uh, personally to be a part of delivering uh, meals today uh, later on, I'm so glad to be a part of a church uh, that takes feeding our community, feeding those in need uh, seriously. Well, Thanksgiving is just an absolute wonderful holiday, isn't it? It's interesting to me because it's nestled in between now two very commercial events or holidays, if you will. Halloween has become exponentially more commercial in my lifetime. And of course, we know that Christmas for many is a very commercialized experience. Typically in our culture, if you can't commercialize something, there's a good chance that it will be diminished and overlooked. So even in a typical year, in a typical Thanksgiving year, a lot of the conversation is around how Wednesday is one of the heaviest traffic days uh, of the year, heaviest travel days of the year, and of course, often the conversation leans into uh, all the Christmas shopping that happens the day after Thanksgiving and for some even the day of Thanksgiving. But not this year. The pandemic has changed things, hasn't it? Most of us are not traveling out of town to see family and that causes us a great deal of sadness. Most of us are, are not rushing out to stores to catch the latest Christmas deals and that might be a good thing. Even the football games will be played with almost no one in the stands. And at least the silver lining there is Detroit and the Washington football team will lose without at least people looking on live. Right, Brian? No. Well, truth be known, it may be hard for some of us to move into a spirit of gratitude this Thanksgiving. It may be challenging for us to break through all the COVID noise and give thanks. Well, today, we continue our series at Jesus, following the way of Jesus. And the text that Brian read earlier features a woman who gave Jesus a most extravagant gift, and she did so out of love and adoration and out of thanksgiving. But this morning, what I want us to see in this most unusual Thanksgiving week there are some helpful hints for us in this text how we can lean into a spirit of gratitude. And so if you're struggling today to think about how I can lean into a spirit of gratitude, let me invite you just
just to pay real, real close attention. Because one of the things we see right away, we see a helpful nudge in the context of this story, and we see that in order to have a thankful spirit, that we should trace the hand of God in your past. And so if you're struggling this morning, pause and trace the hand of God in your past. Just a, a few unique aspects of the context. The, the whole chapter Mark of, of Mark 14 opens this way. Now the Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and to kill him. Now that's quite an opening statement, wouldn't you say? And then following the story that Brian read about the woman who anointed Jesus' head with expensive oil, we read, Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. And so we have the plotting and the unfolding of the conspiracy of the ages. And in between this, we have this woman who anointed the head of Jesus. We have this woman who treated him with adoration. This woman who treated him with a spirit of gratitude. She treated him like the Savior and the King that he was then and that he still is today. What a bit of context. Let's just take note. There are several episodes in the Bible when it's so clear that the women in the story got it when the men didn't. So let's just take note of that right away. The second bit of context for us to see is that this took place during the season of the Passover and the festival of the unleavened bread. And this time of year was a time when Jews would, would gather and they would remember the hand of God. They would remember how they were liberated from Egypt and they would give thanks. In the Passover special meal called the Seder, when it's conducted, a series of questions are asked of the participants. And one of the responses that the participants offer is this. The more one talks about the exodus from Egypt, the more praiseworthy he, God, is. Let me say that again. One of the responses when they would gather to give thanks every year at the Passover was the more one talks about the exodus from Egypt, the more praiseworthy God is. That is so powerful. The more we talk about how God has acted to deliver and to save, the greater the sense of praise grows. And wouldn't you say the same thing about gratitude? The more you talk about that which God has done in your life, the more that you're able to trace the hand of God over your steps in your life journey, the deeper the gratitude grows and the more praiseworthy God is in your life. This is the context that the woman in which the woman stepped forward to anoint the head of Jesus. Jews in mass were preparing to remember the salvation and deliverance of God. And they would do this over and over and over. Let me just read a portion, for example, of Psalm 107 and how this would often roll out. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. 
His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Tell their story. Those He redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those He gathered from the lands, from the east and the west, and from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and the wonderful deeds for humankind. For He satisfies the thirsty and He fills the hungry with good things. Tracing the hand of God in your past. Isn't that a powerful reminder for us? If you are struggling this week to give thanks, let me encourage you. Take a moment. Sit down, grab a piece of paper, use your series journal that we've given you, and start writing down how God has been active in your past. This past week, I was talking to my dad, who is, who is now 88, and I've shared with you before uh, that my father, uh, my birth father died when I was only 18 months old. He was only 27 years old. And my mom remarried when I was just a toddler and was married to my stepfather, whom I call my dad, for over 50 years when she died. Now, there were moments when I was growing up when I, I wondered what my father was like, and sometimes this caused pain. But you know, after I became a dad, I just went to a place of gratitude. Gratitude for God's provision. And when I was talking to my dad this past week, he started remembering how little I was when he and my mom started dating. And, and he just went down memory lane and talked about raising me and, and talked about some of the, the good times and some of the, some of the challenging times. And I hung up that phone just incredibly grateful for how God provided for me and my mom and my sister through him. Tracing the hand of God in your past. It will lead you to a place of gratitude. So sit down this week and do that. You might be the only person at your table or there may be one or two others, no matter where you spend Thanksgiving and no matter how you spend Thanksgiving, but trace the hand of God in your past. Read aloud the wondrous deeds that God has done in your life. And then let me invite you to respond. The more one talks about, you fill in the blank. The more one talks about what? The more praiseworthy God is. And you will go to a place of giving thanks for the hand of God in your life. Well, as we get back to the story, we see another really helpful practice that fosters gratitude and that is to give extravagantly. Let's turn our attention to the woman in the story. We don't know very much about her at all. There is another story in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, about a sinful woman who anointed the feet of Jesus and then dried them with her tears. But we should not conflate the two stories. This woman takes a very expensive alabaster jar of perfume or what was called nard oil. 
This was a very expensive oil worth a year's wages. It was not only an expensive oil, but it was an essential oil to her. She had to show her love. She had to show her gratitude for Jesus. Now, we don't know exactly why she did this. David Garland, a scholar who wrote a great commentary on Mark, wrote, perhaps in her mind, is she anointing the Messiah and crowning him to set him apart for his office? In the Old Testament, kings were anointed in private, and it sometimes signaled a revolt. He goes on to write, maybe she hopes it is time for God to intervene in the affairs of Israel with this king. If this was her intention, how ironic the situation is. A woman, not a priest or an authorized prophet, anoints Jesus in the home of a leper. I would also add, how fitting. Either way, she anoints the head of Jesus with a year's worth of essential oil, extraordinary oil, and she stirs the ire of the disciples. They think her display of adoration and gratitude is over the top. They think it's just too much. It's interesting. When people display their adoration in such an extravagant and over-the-top way, they are almost always met with criticism, even in the church. The disciples rebuke her. <coughs> Excuse me. The Greek word for rebuke is the same word used to describe a snorting horse. It was the same word used to describe how Jesus forcefully called Lazarus forth from the dead. And so the disciples is essentially chewed her out for showing her adoration and gratitude to Jesus. When considering her adoration and gratitude for Jesus, she couldn't just give him a little, could she? She couldn't just say, you know, here's Jesus. Looks like he's the Savior. Well, maybe I'll just give him a day's worth of perfume. No. How do you only give Jesus a day's worth? No, she cracked open that bottle and just poured it all out. And Jesus said she has done a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing that will be remembered for all time. Wherever the gospel is preached. And we're still telling her story. Aren't we? She may have poured a year's worth of salary on his head. But her witness and her legacy of gratitude and adoration has lasted for over 2,000 years. Brian, wouldn't you say that was a pretty good deal? Yeah. Giving and being generous is one of the most powerful ways we can express our gratitude to God. And by the way, extravagance is not just about amount. The widow who gave two copper coins gave all she had, and that was extravagant. Jesus said she gave what was more. And generosity is not always about money or expensive oil. We can be generous with praise. We can be generous with encouragement. We can be generous with mercy. We can be generous with our time. I've mentioned this before, but I like to call living with a generous spirit, living with an open hand toward God. Just living with an open hand. Now, I've shared this analogy before, but it's worth 
uh, sharing again. I, I have a $20 bill here. And Brian, there's really only two ways I can hold this, right? I can hold it like this, and you can't get it out of my hand. Or I can hold it with an open hand, just like this. And you could walk over and you could take it from me. And I just hold it open-handed and you can have it. Now, we have to be six feet apart, so you're not getting it today. But with open hands, we live with the generous of the blessing of receive. We're also ready to see, receive the blessing from God. And so with open hands, we live to the world with incredible generosity, willing to give to the world the way that God has blessed us. And with open hands, we live expecting God to bless us, knowing we cannot outgive God. We cannot. So as you think about leaning into the spirit of gratitude this Thanksgiving, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you to think about the way you hold the possessions that God has entrusted to you. Your home. I know that we can't be in each other's homes right now, but we will be able to again, perhaps even next year. Can you hold your home with an open hand, with hospitality toward others? Your car. How can you hold your car with an open hand? Can you give rides to people who need them? Can you deliver meals to people in need? Can you loan your car out to people who need a car? Your time. How can you hold your schedule with an open hand toward God? Your influence, your network. How can you hold your your influence and your network with an open hand toward people who are in younger generations so that you can help people, help people make a difference, help people put food on their tables with jobs? How can you use all that God has given you? How can you hold it with an open hand? We're getting our hearts ready for thanksgiving, aren't we? We trace the hand of God in our past. We make the decision to give extravagantly and to live open-handed toward the world. And there's one more thing here. We lean into the future. Let's visit the story one more time. The woman anoints Jesus with the oil. The disciples rebuke her, and they say they could sell the oil to feed the poor. And then Jesus says something really interesting here. He says, the poor you will always have with you. He's leaning into the future here. And you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Now this statement seems a bit surprising at first, doesn't it? I mean, of all people, you would think Jesus would want the money to go to the poor. After all, we, we learned last week He told the, the rich guy to sell all his possessions and to give to the poor. But remember, and we covered this last week, He told the guy to sell everything because his wealth was keeping him from God. Jesus is not saying we should neglect the poor at all. Just that there will be a time later to engage the ministry to the poor. And there's a sense of urgency here. You get the feeling the clock is ticking. Jesus is leaning into the future and He says He won't be around much longer. Indeed, that this woman 
he says, was, anoint, was anointing his body. But it was a death ritual because he was headed to the cross. You see, something of great value was poured out by the woman, but something of even greater value was about to be poured out on the cross. Jesus would go to the cross and shed his blood, pour out his blood for the sins of the world. When we observe communion, we even say in some form or another, as we drink the cup, his blood shed, his blood poured out for the forgiveness of the sins of the many. He was leaning into his future. He was leaning into our salvation. How does leaning into the future nudge us toward a grateful spirit? In trusting faith. In trusting faith. November 22nd, 2020. In trusting faith, we believe right now that God is already working in our future. We believe that. We believe that God is. We believe that God wants the best for His children. And that as we follow God into the future, we will not be led astray. Remember, Jesus told His disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? Hear how future-leaning this is? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. One writer said Christians just have to live with a forward tilt toward eternity. We can lean in. We can lean in. And thank God for how God is working in our future. Whether it is the future when we get to heaven like Jesus is referring to in John 14, or whether it's the future of this pandemic. Jody and I this morning caught a bit of the news before church, and and we heard the incredible news from the leader of uh, the vaccine project, Warp Speed, that, that 20 million vaccinations are going to be ready by the end of December. Prayerfully, that'll go to healthcare workers. And that they expect there to be enough for vaccinations for the entire country by the end of May. Now we keep praying for this. But folks, God is working in the future, in the long term of eternity, and in the short term of this pandemic. And we can lean in in faith, believing and knowing that God is working in our future and that God will work for our good and that God will work for His glory. So as you prepare your heart to enter into a special time of giving thanks this year, thank God. Thank God in advance for how He's working in your future. Thank you for His sovereign rule over tomorrow. So happy Thanksgiving. Let this be a most special Thanksgiving for you. I know it will be different But that doesn't mean it can't be special. Take some time. Trace the hand of God in your past. Take some time. Make the commitment to give extravagantly and to live with an open hand toward the world. Take some time and lean into the future. Lean into your faith and thank God for how He's already working.